Well, hello. Good, uh, good afternoon. Welcome to Christian Concerns Round the Table. It's a special Christmas special. As you can see, I'm wearing a slightly Christmassy jumper, uh, which proves to you that it is a Christmas special, uh, no matter what else we cover in today's episode. Well, today we're really looking back at 2022 and we're giving thanks, uh, which I think is really important uh, through the work of Christian Concern, through God's providence. Uh, so much has happened this year. Uh, we want to celebrate it with you. We want to look back at all that's happened uh, that God has achieved through us and with your support. Uh, I'm joined today by Tim Dieppe and by Andrea Williams. Good afternoon, Paul. Hello. Hi there. Uh, Paul, that's, you, you need to show us that Christmas jumper. Okay, well, here's, here's a bit more of it. Christmas jumper. Jingle all the way. Yes, but he didn't jingle all the way into London yesterday. I can tell you that even though I don't think it was an official strike day, the trains defeated him. The, the, the Southwest trains, Southeast, wait, which line? Um, yes, South, yes, they defeated you into London. You didn't make it. And we had our office staff Christmas party. And Paul, Paul sent us all a picture with his jingle all the way jumper on, forlornly eating cold pizza. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a happy sight. I don't think it's a very Christian Christmas jumper though, Andrea. That's my problem with it. It's not very Christian, is it? You know? Well, oh, at least I've, at I least feel like you do. We need to, I know what you mean, Tim, but you know, we need a bit of jingle in life. Every now and then we need to jingle some bells and I just- I thought we need a bit of Jesus. I thought we need Jesus, Andrea. Well, we do. <laughs> that is the reason for the season and we do love him very much, but it's quite fun to jingle at a party. <laughs> Anyway, as you can see, today's uh, today's uh, discussion is going to be very um, very on point. Uh, we're going to get through lots of things today to to uh, to celebrate what God has done uh, this year. Um, and the reason for that, you know, I, this year I I remember being struck by Psalm fifty. Uh, at the end of Psalm fifty, it says, "Those who sacrifice thanks thank offerings uh, honor me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation." And that psalm kind of uh, really characterizes um, the the people who God blesses as those who are are those who are grateful and who are giving thanks. Uh, we are encouraged lots by our um, co-founder, Pastor Ade Amuba, to have an attitude of gratitude, and that's what we wanted to do today. So if you're watching today uh, in the comments, tell us what you're grateful for uh, to God for 2022. Um, let's see some of those comments. Oh, thank you, Peter. I am, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to see that. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for your partnership and for watching. Um, so let's get through some of these things. There are so much, many things uh, to look back on and to talk about that we need to we need to cut to the chase. So first of all, we want to uh, talk about uh, the case of Mary Onyoa, um, a nurse back in January that was one then. Andrew, are you able to, to give some explanation of what happened there? So, Paul, the way we're going to do this is to go through the year, really, and to, to remember to remember cases pretty much chronologically or cases and issues through the year. And I think that's sometimes some something that happens to me here at Christian Concern. I get to the end of the week and remember that it was only Monday that we delivered a, a petition to Lambeth Palace asking the Education Department and the Archbishop of Canterbury to withdraw the Valuing All God's Children guidance. And this is the speed at which we work at Christian Concern. And sometimes it's quite astonishing to look back over the weeks and months and see all that God has achieved um, through 
um, our efforts and through the efforts of all of those that support us. And Pete Benjamin, by the way, I tried to reach you uh, last week in order because I was hoping that you might come and deliver that petition with us too. But I think I might not have your latest number. So that's just letting you know there, Pete Benjamin, uh, out, out there on the live stream. So back to January and Mary Anua. Well, we had a lovely nurse who'd been in this country for um, well, well over 20 years. She'd been working on the front line in nursing. She loved to wear her cross. She'd never taken off her cross. She actually worked at the senior level. She worked prepping people for operations. There was a change of management and she was asked specifically to remove her cross. Uh, she refused to remove her cross. Uh, they even asked her to remove her cross um, within a, a situation where somebody was actually going into theatre. She was all completely um, dressed in all the gear for the operation. So even at that point, there was a particular manager that was really wanting this cross removed. We had at the time many images, many photographs, even on the official publicising material for the hospital to show nurses and doctors indeed wearing other religious apparel, so, but also uh, jewellery. Um, she was put, um, she was there, then there was essentially a long battle over, uh, it, it spanned two years or so, where she was put on uh, administrative duties, where she was sidelined, where we kept on trying to restore um, her back to the front line of nursing. So that's the story of Mary Anua. But in the end, um, we received the judgment last January, having had the trial in the autumn. And it was found that she had been directly discriminated against um, as a result of um, as a, as a result of being forced, being asked. Well, she, she wasn't forced to take off the cross, cross because she refused to take off the cross. But they found that they that she that that that, that had been a case of direct discrimination against her. So that is a massive win. And also, can we just also remember that um, the truth about this is that um, issues around the cross have been going on for many, many years. We can go right back to the middle, uh, 2004, 2005, um, the case of Nadia Awida and British Airways, and the way in which she again, as a an assistant, an air steward, at dealing with the public, front-facing with the public as they checked in. She was um, working really hard, um, loving that job, uh, but they asked her to, to remove her cross and said that the cross was, not a, cross was not a Christian symbol. And some of you remember those extraordinary headlines of kind of our national airline um, saying that the cross wasn't a Christian symbol. And then the case of and the yeah. government. And the government. Well, indeed, the government um, submitted at the European Court of Human Rights in 2013, in specifically in the case of Nadia Weida, but also the case of Shirley Chaplin, another nurse, a beautiful, quiet lady from Exeter, who again had worn her cross for almost 30 years and worked in nursing. She was suddenly asked to remove her cross. The government submitted that the cross was not a Christian symbol, that it was a piece of jewellery. 
and that her freedom of religion was her freedom to resign. Um, I'm really pleased that 20 years on in, in, in effect, um, and that's how long it takes. But imagine if we hadn't stood 20 years on, no one's really arguing anymore in the courts. Well, they might try again, but they weren't arguing in the same way in the case of Mary Anua that the cross was not a Christian symbol. And now we have, we also had a ruling that essentially it's a manifestation of faith. The cross and its symbolic value to Christians is a manifestation of faith. That's really important. And there Absolutely. is a manifest faith in that way. Obviously, not all Christians wear a cross visibly. Yeah. These things, but the important thing is that Christians don't have to stop being Christians when they enter the workplace. And we want to keep people able to shine the light of Christ brightly in all those situations. That's it. Absolutely. Um, we do have to move on to the next one, which Tim's going to talk about. So back in February and March, we had um, we were doing some work relating to care workers and NHS workers and uh, and mandatory vaccinations. Um, Tim, do you want to explain what happened? It's extraordinary, then? isn't it, to think that this was earlier this year that um, the government was saying, um, look, if you haven't been vaccinated, you will lose your job um, to people working in care homes and people working in um, in in the NHS as well. And um, we didn't take a position either way on whether you should or shouldn't have a vaccine. What we did take a position on is that people should have the right to choose. People should have the right to follow their conscience on it. And uh, we felt very, very strongly that the government should not be mandating and forcing and, and, you know, on pain of losing your job, losing your whole livelihood, um, you must take this vaccine. If in conscience, and some people have very good conscience reasons for not taking um, these COVID vaccines, and there are all sorts of questions being raised now about them over time. Um, and yeah, but here we are, and people were, were um, threatened with losing their jobs over taking the vaccines, and we helped um, several clients about this and, and took up. Um, it was actually, it wasn't even just several, Tim, it was tens and tens of clients, tens right. and tens of, of, Doesn't. of Okay, yeah. dozens um, of plants, and the great thing is, in the end, the government backed down and said, "No, we're yeah, you know, we're not going to force you all to lose your jobs." I think they realised they were going, you know, there's shortage of workers anyway. They're going to only exacerbate the shortage of workers by sacking everyone just for not taking this vaccine, which actually doesn't prevent transmission and doesn't prevent you getting it. It's not a vaccine in the ordinary sense of the word. Um, so that was a there was a win, although sadly some people did end up losing their jobs anyway. Um, as a result of that. But um, that was a big win. The government backed down and it was a win for freedom of conscience for Christians and others. And can I say on that one, Tim, as well, the, I want to talk about the people, mm. the people who were exercising their conscience. They were beautiful people. Many of them, you know, as you say, with good reason. And they were on the front line wanting to carry on, do their duty, working in care homes, did it working in, 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 mm. Uh, been work took at, had perhaps had the had COVID, were immune, were taking. To, it was the the care of these people um, and the pressure that they were being put under. But this yeah. violation of conscience that is a really important principle um, that it's vital That's to. That's right. Some of them had already had COVID, haven't they, and, and could prove that they had um, had the immunity in their system and stuff. You know, yeah, so why have a vaccine then? Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, um, you know, lots, so much of what we did there was unseen. Um, and yet uh, we are 
very thankful to God for uh, enabling us in all of that work um, and eventually with the government's change of, uh, of mind over that. Can we I say, keep... more? I know we have to keep moving because we, we can't just stay, we can't, I don't know what time we're at, but we go, we'll be here until midnight if we go this, if we, uh, imagine if we go through every week, if we take this long on every month. But I want to say there, look at the really important principles, which is what Christian Concern is always about. There's always a big principle behind our cases. It's always a Jesus principle, a Christian principle, which is a conscience principle, which is a freedom to proclaim faith, a freedom not to be compelled by the government to do something that is contrary to your conscience, in violation of your conscience, a freedom to proclaim Christ. And, and when conscience um, gets violated, when the government says you cannot or you will be, in, in order to work, you will be mandated to believe. You will be mandated to do this to your body. You will be mandated to say, when, the, when these principles come in, when the government can mandate health principles or what is good or bad for you, mm. if those are not challenged at the point at which they are being exercised or overridden by the government, if they're not challenged early and at that point, we will get much further down the track, as we've seen on many other issues. Yeah. But we will get much further down the track, and it becomes very dangerous. That's why this win is so important, because it's actually what it's what we don't know it prevented. Totally, and and you know you've got this situation of uh, essentially the government saying, "Well, your rights—they are qualified. You don't you you don't have your human rights to the extent." Uh, that they override public health and safety, etc. So it's exactly the same as what we had with COVID lockdowns and churches saying, you know, well, actually, public health is more important than your freedom to worship. So we're going to stop that. And it's exactly what's being argued with conversion therapy bans and other things where it's... Imagine uh, that, and, exactly. And, and and abortion buffer zones too. Exactly. So there's always, all of our freedoms are overridden by public health and safety. And um, yes. And you cannot go to an abortion clinic. You cannot stand outside there in order to save the mother and baby, in order to save the baby. You cannot because that um, the, the, the government mandates you not to go there when act your motive is to save the life of the child. And also our motive is to love the mother, to love the woman. And this is, I mean, an extraordinary violation of freedom that the government is imposing similarly on the conversion therapy. It's all big, one big line. You cannot change. If, if a pastor, if a counselor says you can change from sexual behavior, um, or you can change from being same sex attracted, that is toxic. That is bad for your health. That is forbidden. Well, that again is a overreach by the government. It's a direct attack on the gospel. And that's why we stand. All of these things are meshed. And I think sometimes in our work, Paul, when we work so fast, day in, day out, week in, week out, hour by hour, the big picture principle mm. of what it's all about. I think a lot of what a lot of people see and what a lot of Christians even see is always another case. And so we get into the detail of a case of uh, a nurse fire for praying, a street preacher arrested, when actually it's all about keeping the nation open for the good of the gospel, keeping yeah. Jesus Christ famous at the heart of our society, making him known at the heart of us, our society, 
jingling a very loud bell um, to say he rules, he reigns, it's Christmas time and there's a reason for the season. Absolutely. Well, speaking of um, yeah, saving lives outside clinics, well, uh, Dr. Dermot, our next example, literally saving human babies and also providing better choice for mothers. Um, so Dr. K uh, Dr. Dermot Kearney was cleared uh, after offering uh, life-saving support to women in crisis pregnancies who wanted to undo the effects of the first abortion pill. Um, Andrea, let's come back to you on this. I mean, talk about Dermot and, and, and the real impact he had and this wonderful victory. Um, well, what can I say? Um, I'd love the world to be full of doctors just like Dermot. I really would. Yeah. He is such a wonderful man, such a kind, caring, compassionate doctor, so humble, so prepared to work through the night, to be called through the night, to look after a mum who, who, who takes an abortion pill and wants to reverse the situation. She immediately regrets it. He has saved well over 30 babies now, as a result of that, because actually if the right of progesterone is prescribed quickly, then there's a really strong chance that the mum will keep the baby. Excuse me, I've got a little cold um, uh, cold today. Um, it was fantastic that, uh, that he was, um, after being hauled before the regulatory body, um, and after many months of pressure, that it was found that he had done nothing wrong, that actually his medical skills were truly excellent. And I think the shocking thing is that the abortion providers themselves are the ones that made him, uh, well, it's not shocking, it, it's obvious that they are the ones that came after him actually by dirty measures. And they're still doing it. And they're still doing it. They're still coming after him. They're still trying to do hit job pieces on him through the media, but he won't stop. And if there are any insurance brokers out there, just generally, we need to insure Dr. Kearney and we need to insure doctors everywhere in a, and we need to start clinics that were saying, we are here to save your babies. That actually, if you change your mind about having an abortion, having taken the first pill, that you, your baby can be rescued. So a mission, a desire of Christian concern is to see clinics up and down this country saving babies, being the safe houses. And that's something we say, isn't it, Tim, wherever we go, uh, wherever we go, when we're out on the road, speaking to churches, we say, will you be the life houses and the lighthouses? Will you bring this kingdom life news to the yeah. community? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the um, one of the important things about, uh, you know, about, the, about his case is obviously not every baby is saved. So let's not take those first pills in the first place, ideally. But and let's not have a culture that kind of accepts that and thinks that that's a normal thing to do. Uh, however, you know, it's, the, it's this enormously uh, raised chance of the baby surviving. And uh, and in the case, we even had uh, evidence from at least one mother who um, who had still lost her child, but was still very grateful for the support. Uh, oh, something that was so amazing about that particular story, because he's so non-coercive, and yet many choose to, 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 to take the progesterone, and, and we've seen the babies that are saved, and they all... He has hero status because he's been so kind. And but even the ones that either choose not to take the pills, to, sorry, not to take the hormone, um, 
or where where um, they lose the baby, they still are full of thanks for him. And this lady that you mentioned, I mean, it's really, I mean, she wrote and said, I was so grateful for everything that he did. And I'm calling, and she was calling one of her pets, you know, after him. Into all the, into, into, she worked in sort of, uh, she worked in um, saving animals. And I just think it's an, an incredible thing, isn't it? That people um, have this kind of love for this man, anybody that's worked with him. And the idea that the establishment continues to come after him um, is shocking. Um, the first doctor, in a sense, to be prosecuted for actually trying to save lives. Amazing. Yeah, it's wonderful that it was clear to say we give thanks to God for that. We do. On to Keith Waters. Tim, you're going to explain what's happened with uh, with Keith Waters uh, back in April, I think it was. Yeah, yeah sure. So um, Keith Waters um, left a well-paid um, finance director job to go and work um, pastoring a church um, over in Cambridgeshire. And um, he um, took a job as a school caretaker to help fund his work pastoring this small church. Um, and um, in his own personal capacity, he put out a tweet which was critical of pride events um, and said they're not good for children. And um, somebody in the community spotted this and reported it to the school where he worked. And um, he uh, faced various harassment and, and issues on the street, but also did actually lose his job over that. Um, so we helped him bring a um, discrimination case against the school and fantastic win that we had um, in April this year where the court ruled that he had been discriminated against um, for expressing his Christian faith. Um, and uh, and so yeah, he was wrongfully dismissed there. And that serves as a helpful warning to other organisations that might think you can just dismiss somebody for saying expressing Christian beliefs on uh, on social media. Um, that you can't just do that. You'd be discriminating and breaching um, their human rights um, by doing so. Um, so a really important, significant victory there and a good one. And um, building on, in a sense, Felix de Gaulle, which was another sort of highlight of the year a little bit, where um, Felix de Gaulle... A little bit. It's a fantastic... Oh, all these highlights. It happened a little bit this year. Stay on so track. He's later. He's okay, later. Right. We'll get Fair to talk later. about him later. Right. Okay, we'll pay it for later, <laughs> if you want. Yeah, no, that's, no, it's it's wonderful though, isn't it? And Keith, um, and you know, both both of those cases had to do with Facebook and Twitter and these sorts of things, and and obviously pastors, right? Pastors who um, tent yep. make, who have other jobs. How important is it that they are able to continue their role as pastors and do all of the things that we expect and hope our pastors will do, including speaking on important issues like these? Um, mm -hmm. How important is it that they get? protection um, i know you're trying to keep tim and i on track paul but there we are there you have keith waters again a bit like dermot isn't it a privilege to know these men and women um and like felix that tim couldn't resist mentioning but i mean it, it, it's such a privilege to know these men keith waters is funny that's what i enjoy i mean he has this most wonderful sense of humor what i mean is he's just funny when i'm with him i laugh and he really, really loves the Lord. And the thing for me about Keith is um, he is doing what the bishop should be doing. It was Ely Cathedral that were blessing pride and welcoming pride. And he was telling the Christians in Ely to stay away from pride. So you have a true Christian leader, Keith mm. Waters, head to head with the Bishop of Ely. And who who do you want? To, which one do you want to be your bishop? 
Mm. Bishop Keith for me, not his theology, but this is but this is the but this is the he is a man who's a true elder. He's a man who's fit to teach. And the Bishop of Ely should have been disciplined and in fact removed. And what we have in the Church of England is for the past 10 years, um, since Justin Welby came into position, and now a man who cannot make a clear statement on same-sex marriage, he says he's not going to let his views be known. 10 years later, 10 years later, he says he's an evangelical. What does that mean? 10 years later, the first Bishop of the Bishops, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the leader of the Anglican Communion, says he can't make, he's not going to let his views be known on same-sex marriage. He can't make a statement on it. He doesn't discipline the bishops who speak against it. In the city where Keith Waters lost his job for, for tweeting about the protection of children, it's really serious. And in fact, what a true bishop or a true archbishop would have done is come behind Keith Waters and ensure that we never had such a case. Um, yeah, it's remarkable that yep. we, <laughs> the silence of the Church of England on, our, on some of our cases has been remarkable. And speaking of the Church of England, our next case is uh, our next victory, Nigel and Sally Rowe, who you uh, talked about earlier earlier on, delivering a petition earlier this week. Um, what happened? What happened there in September, Andrew? Well. I mean, this is this has been a case. I mean, many of our cases, and I I want to thank all of those that are listening and watching. I just want to thank you for staying with us. Um, thank you for staying with us day in, day out, year in, year out. Because the case of Nigel and Sally Rowe, it's taken five years. Mm. They have become part of the Christian Concern family. That's the truth. They were with us, as I say, this week. But five years ago, before we had all the controversy around mermaids, before we had all the noise in the space around transgenderism and the harm, they saw what it was doing in their local school. Their children became upset by it. It was actually in a Church of England school. They raised an issue because they were concerned not just for their children, but for all of the children in this little school in the Isle of Wight. All of the school's policies, the sporting policies, the toileting policies were being changed in order to accommodate one and then two and then three children. Mm. So it's very confusing. When asked for support by the Church of England Diocesan education. We six year olds as well, Andreas. Yes. Primary school children. Six year olds who were yeah, being allowed to um, identify as the opposite gender when they felt suit. And then all the other children in the class were told, you must call him her on those days when they identify the opposite gender. Yes. And, the, and then, of course, so then the idea then that the letter that came back to them was that unless they could accept that the six-year-old or the eight-year-old was in the acquired gender, in the, in the so-called acquired gender, then they were transphobic, mm. that they were bigoted and transphobic. And again, the Church of England did nothing 
to to assist or to back them up. Well, they did and the opposite. Nigel, they backed up the school. They the, did the opposite. They, backed no, they, up, backed they, up they came against them. And Nigel Genders, who's the head of the education uh, on a national level, he too did that. And so what you have is a you know, and just and during the prior just prior to this case, we'd also had the case of John Parker, um, who'd sought to um, again expose Mermaid's involvement um, in a school. Well, he was later, um, wasn't he? He was, he was 2018, I think. Oh, 2018. Sometimes this yeah. is the thing. So he was a little bit... So he was later. So Nigel and Sally, you're right, were the very first ones. Uh, again, and that, that was under Stephen Cottrell, now the Archbishop of York. He didn't support them. The Archbishop of Canterbury hasn't supported these parents and other parents that have stood with them. So, the, but quite extraordinarily, by sheer persistence... Five years on, have we haven't got together, a, I believe, the most brilliant evidence, the most brilliant peer-reviewed evidence from experts across the world. It's a report that runs to thousands of pages, which brings together scientific studies, social science studies, which show outcomes for on children and on adolescents if they are affirmed in their... Um, in the wrong gender. And those outcomes are very poor. So it's really poor social practice to promote a policy where our children are harmed. I mean, we know this biblically anyway, but all the social science um, proves it. And we now we got a promise from the government um, to review their guidance. And you've got this amazing situation where the government has, has moved on it and has recognised these things, even though back in 20, what was it, 2016, uh, then people were sort of laughing at the rose or, or us like, oh, why are you so hung up about a little boy dressing up in a skirt? Or, or well, I think the Archbishop of Canterbury actually said, I remember the headline. I mean, Justin Welby actually said during that time, there's no harm in the dressing up box. But this is not dressing up box stuff. No, not at all. This is really deep. This is heaping trauma upon trauma. This is um, sadly affirming a little child that won't... It's actually child abuse. It's actually child abuse. Just say you can change gender. You say you're born in the wrong body. It's child abuse. And you've now got the Church of England's guidance, following all God's children, which we were delivering this petition about on Monday, still in the same place. The government's moved. Government started recognising some of these things. Yeah. Uh, the wider society is recognising it. Mermaids is under all, you know, all kinds of problems. And the Church of England still, yeah, it's all fine. Nothing to see well, here. And, and to be clear, just for everyone listening, that that at the Valley Orgles Children guidance for churches and schools, including primary schools, does um, does basically say or endorse affirming children in an acquired gender, yeah. um, and it's a real problem. And it's been used against Christians like Nigel and Sally Rowe and many other Christian teachers and parents as well, saying the Church of England says this is fine. We should be doing this. So it's it's a real menace. Oh, it's, it's raised as a matter of course that guidance and the Church of England stand is raised as a matter yeah. of course, not just in the high profile cases, but continually in the yeah. cases that we deal with that are under the radar in schools mm. to show where the Church of England is to undermine true biblical teaching to undermine parents that truly want the protection of their children. So actually, um, we need to keep on writing to our bishops on this. Um, we need to keep on writing to Nigel Genders uh, on, on this, um, who heads up education at the Church of England. 
We need to keep on doing it. And I, I see that Pete Benjamin is commenting and he's part of our Christian Concern family. I mean, do go and look at his video. We've got a video that shows Pete's story of someone who thought, who lived out uh, in the opposite sex um, for a number of years. Um, he thought that it would provide him with the, in, in, in terms of living out and, um, and in the opposite sex, he thought that it would make all his problems, his issues go away. And in fact, um, it, it just made it worse. But all his story, his story also goes back to his childhood, doesn't it? And and the, yes. and the things that happened in his childhood in terms of dressing up and the, these sorts of issues. So, and Pete um, will be the first to say that the traumatizing thing is is you know it is even it's even things like pantomime dames and drag queens, this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and of course we've got drag queens in our libraries and drag queens in our schools. Pastors out, drag queens in. Mm. Uh, but we give thanks. For the, for the, you know, again to God that actually some real uh, movement has happened in this. Real area. movement, real yes. movement has happened. We, it was a victory for Nigel and Sally Rowe. The government are going back to the drawing boards on this. They're going to re review and change their guidance as a result of Nigel and Sally's stand. And what we are, again, we want to make Jesus famous in schools. In Church of England schools, we want his name made known. In our schools, we want in our state schools, we want to reinstate assembly where Jesus Christ is known. We want Christian schools to be raised up up and down the country where we will see his name made known. We want to see him at the heart of society once more. Absolutely. And we and we're obviously very involved in Christian education with Steve Bigu, who um who heads up that work for us, uh, really helping uh, Christian schools and Christians within education to um to make a difference where they are um, but another area where we're building for the future is the wilberforce academy um which has, has had its own cases this year with uh with its situation with worcester college um amongst them but also just happening in september uh, a wonderful um wonderful thing i wasn't there andrea you were what's encouraged you about the wilberforce academy this year well, Tim, whatever is it that we can say about it, how wonderful is the Wilforce Academy? Yeah, it's always a huge highlight of the year. We have a whole group, like 80 plus, um, very keen, enthusiastic young people, young professionals at the start of their career, uh, keen to sort of work out how to apply their Christian faith in the workplace, in their spheres of influence. And they come and they go a week long intensive crash course with top speakers and uh, fantastic teaching and discussion groups um, around their areas of career um, um, progress. And um, and it's really, you know, so engaging and so encouraging to see the next generation rising up and, and with passion and enthusiasm and, and a hunger to learn and a sort of a bit of a sense of, why has nobody told me this before as well, um, that goes on there. Fantastic. I think that's, what, I think that's one of the, the things about it, isn't it, Tim? One of the, you know, one of the hardest things about... It's truly wonderful to spend a week away with these amazing young people. Mm. Many, many of them have are in church, have been in church for a number of years. Not all of them, um, but they often say, "No one's told us about this," and mm. they're so hungry to 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 talk about the cultural hot topics of the day. And mm. uh, what I say is, the issues where the gospel is under attack, yes. and they're so they feel so delighted to be able to be free uh, to talk about issues of identity. Um, 
uh, issues of human sexuality, issues of uh, other religions, cultural Marxism, all of these things they, they talk about and they unpack through the week. Yeah, abortion as well, Christian view of law, Christian view of uh, work, um, Islam, secularism, all of these topics. Uh, so it's a, it's a fantastic highlight. The young people very often say this is a transformative week. Uh, some cases like the most significant week of my life. Uh, they make career making change, career changing decisions sometimes as a result of it. And they, they become part of a community that uh, maintains contact and meets up um, every so often. And we have refocused days for them as well. Um, so yes, a real highlight, always a highlight. Um, if you know somebody who would benefit from this, we will be opening up applications, I think, in January. Um, so watch this space for that um, for the coming September when we will do another one. I mean, the, it, the Workforce Academy is the Hope Academy. Yeah. When I think of 11, 11 years on, um, 11 years of graduates, I want to say, Lord, raise up these young men and women. Put them into places of great influence, I pray, for your mm. kingdom purposes. Jesus, may your name be famous in and through this, these next generations. They are absolutely wonderful. They're fiery. They love him. They're uncompromising. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, when, we, when we, we're, we're able to see these messages, uh, you know, in these groups and see all, of, all of the amazing things they're doing, uh, we don't get to put out on <laughs> Christian Weekly News or you know, there are too many things going on to really to, to say it all. But they are they are really active and, and seeking to make Jesus. Known. <laughs> um, quickly on to street preachers. We've had a number of street preacher wins this yeah. year. Um, two two particular ones uh, that we've highlighted, Hatton, Tash and John Dunn. Tim, tell us about street preacher freedom. Yes. Yeah, so Hatton is a fantastic evangelist to Muslims. She goes and preaches. Um, in Speaker's Corner and debates and discusses uh, with the Muslims there. She's got quite a provocative style. Very happy to say things like Muhammad is not a, is, is a false prophet um, and things like that, and, and even wear provocative cartoons and things. Um, and um, the Muslims occasionally have um, assaulted her, uh, threatened her, um, stolen a book off her, and never been arrested. And Hatton has been arrested. But one of them we've got on video, they actually went for um, the vein in the neck. And, uh, Yes, one time one time she was actually stabbed and it was like a miracle that she wasn't actually killed because the intention was clearly to try and kill her um, that time. Again, that person has not been arrested or apprehended either. Um, but Hatton has been arrested for doing nothing wrong and she's she's never been charged. Um, you know, there's never brought a charge against her, but they've arrested her, sometimes strip searched her, sometimes removed her reading glasses so she can't even read in the cell and killed her overnight. Um, and so we've um, challenged the police about this and said this is wrongful arrest and wrongful detainment and so on. And a fantastic win because the Met Police um, uh, eventually issued an apology, a formal apology, and paid £10,000 towards the legal costs um, of um, taking this up with the police. Um, so that's an admission of wrongdoing by the police um, and obviously significant compensation paid by them as well. Now we what we really hope for and what we're really working for as well behind the scenes is for a change of culture there in the police that they decide that you know this is not the way to do it they should be arresting the people who are threatening and abusing and and sometimes assaulting her not arresting her because she is not the one doing something wrong they are the ones doing something wrong so this is a really big deal and um really pleased with that conversation and that apology from the police there 
for Hassan Tash. And then more recently, um, street preacher John Dunn um, was preaching and got arrested because a couple complained that he's being allegedly homophobic in what he said. All he did was quote the Bible um, one or two places with them. And, um, and anyway, so the um, they complained and the police arrested him. I mean, what, yeah, why did they arrest him just because someone complains it's offensive? That is not a crime. Um, anyway, he's arrested and charged. And the Crown Prosecution Service actually argued in their legal argument that parts of the Bible are no longer appropriate in a Christian society, in a modern society rather. Um, in other words, that quoting the Bible could be a criminal offence. Quoting the Bible on the streets could be a criminal offence in the UK. Um, now, this case did not actually get to court because the two, the couple who had complained, um, ended up saying, oh, forget it, and then they refused to testify in court. So it didn't get to court, but the Crown Prosecution Service had already made their legal argument and tried to argue that quoting the Bible would be a criminal offence. Um, so that's significant to highlight that. And then uh, a member of the House of Lords, um, Kate Huey, asked a question of the government, um, which just got answered only this week, and the government, you know, what she was asking, uh, were the Crown Prosecution Service right to say, quote, the Bible is a criminal offence? And the government said, no, they were wrong. Crown Prosecution Service has recognised that was wrong and they've changed it and it was a mistake and should not have happened. Um, so that's a significant victory then because the Crown Prosecution Service, because we exposed it, imagine if we hadn't exposed it, this would have carried on and it would have come up in another time. But because we exposed it, the Crown Prosecution Service has been held to account and have had to admit they made a mistake and should not have said that. And therefore, that quoting the Bible is not a criminal offence in the UK today. So what's absolutely wonderful here again, just let's go to big picture stuff. Mm. It's about keeping the highways and the byways open for the gospel. It's about keeping mm. not people not being able to say bits of the Bible can't be quoted. They are offensive um, and those should never um, those should never they should never be in the public space. That's what this is actually about. That is about keeping Jesus's name. Mm free to be spoken of in 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 not just in public spaces but in got, public um, you've got sean o'sullivan there commenting from facebook yes. saying john dunn is the reason i got saved um, i know so i want to actually say as well um sean o'sullivan john dunn you are amazing because john dunn was on the street sean sullivan living a life of addiction and homelessness got saved now Sean Sullivan is literally out there with John Dunn, saving, seeing life saved. When I met Sean the first time, he was carrying mm. two sleeping bags in order to give to the homeless people that he meet between Swindon and here. These men are the real deal. They're all the real deal. It's been a, the privilege mm. of lifetime. I will go to my grave and I will say that one of the greatest privileges of my lifetime is to have been in a place whereby we can stand with men like John Dunn. We can stand with Sean O'Sullivan. We can see mm. the life-changing stories and see people saved as a result of them. And if and if those if we lose on the street preaching uh, situations, well, next um, again, it's this it's the government encroachment. It's the state encroachment. Next, well, it's coming in anyway, but it's into churches, it's in, uh, it's into schools, mm. and, and that's why it's so important to win these free, these street freedoms. I'm pr really proud to stand with you, Sean O'Sullivan. Thank you for listening today. I'm really proud to stand with you, John Dunn. And we I'm did really a great, we did a great um, interview with them 
did a great interview with them on one of the earlier podcasts. Yeah, so we should make sure that Two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, and it was a really wonderful session where they both uh, shared so much of great testimonies. So, um, so do go back and listen to that and watch that. Listen, listen and watch those along with all these other ones. Um, in most of these stories, if not Mm. all of them, we've got round the tables on, and and it's well worth um, listening to those. Um, and uh, and of course there were other street preachers, Andy Sidliev and amongst them, and Sean O'Sullivan himself. I think um, another case I think yeah. that happened this year. So um, so it was wonderful to have that. Um, however, I want to end um, with one other positive story, which we've already mentioned of, of Felix. Um, what happened with Felix this year, Andrea? He graduated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So Felix Ngole, who'd been originally thrown off his course in order to become a social worker at Sheffield University. Um, Again, another long battle where in the end he was vindicated. He was thrown off the course because he posted posted the truth about marriage in a Facebook uh, discussion. He was taken off the course. Uh, Ultimately, um, it was found at Court of Appeal level well if you take Felix off the course then you're going to have to take Mother Teresa off the course I'm sort of shorthanding all of that but again read the read because Felix is essentially expounding biblical truth he's expounding the biblical position the best thing of all um, is that they also found that Felix was never found to have discriminated against anybody know why because again anybody that knows Felix and anybody that knows his wonderful wife Pepsi will know that they are full of the love of Jesus, that anyone that they work with and all the people that um, Felix has cared for have nothing but the utmost respect and love for him. A bit like when I speak of any patient of Dermot's, they, not Dermot Kearney, nothing but utmost love and respect for them. And the best thing of all was to feel, see Felix walk that stage and fall on his face in thankfulness to God in front of the Chancellor of Sheffield University, in front of all the graduands who were graduating with him. He was giving glory to God. Well, that's Felix Ngole. What a man. He's actually changed. I mean, in terms of, again, academic freedom. Mm. This is all about the big picture of academic freedom. You cannot be have a viewpoint discrimination if you post something and the the academies don't like it. Well, we're we're fighting back on this, and this Felix case Felix's case is really important on that score. So, same with Worcester College when they tried to shut us out, and we got the win on that. Um, it's all about the doors have to stay open for those of us that believe. And Felix, you know, Felix's case was lost, was it lost to the High Court? And then it was overturned yes. at the Court of Appeal, yeah? Yes. So yeah. One, of, one of the, you know, Court of Appeal is one of the highest ju- uh, courts in the country. Absolutely, binding precedent, yes. And so, and, and I see it quoted in lots of our other cases and many yes. other cases in other areas. So uh, really important. Because you can see an honesty, Paul, it is our cases across, you know, this, you know, well over a decade, now are writing legal history. And every one of them is about standing for truth. Every one of them is about contending for truth. We are standing in the gap to Mm. keep the light of Christ shining in this nation 
And so if you look at employment law and, and um, freedom laws, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, our cases are all over, uh, uh, they're, all over, they're all over the place. They are the leading cases. Well, I thank God for that. What an honor. What an honor. Who could yeah. ever have imagined it? And it's and all and there's a sense in which um, it is only God. Only yeah. what was what was required of us was to stand. It was to stand where there was injustice, where they wanted us to be silent, where they wanted us not to contend. We stood. We stood to proclaim His name. We stood with the people who were prepared to take the risk for his name, who were prepared to lose their jobs, who were prepared to be arrested. We stood with them. We stood with them because we love Jesus. They love Jesus. We love them. And we don't want the lights in this nation to go out. We don't want freedoms to be dimmed. We know that with Jesus, with Christ, with Christian freedoms, with Christian truth comes freedom, true toleration, a true understanding of human identity, a true mm. compassion, a true kindness, a true answer, a true hope. And that is, of course, the meaning of the season, which we will, jing we will jingle about. But of course, we will jingle about it. But it's a massive jingle. It's the kind of it is that it's that Jesus is the hope for each one of us. But it's not, it's, we can't shrink Jesus to personal faith, which we kind of put on and off like a jingle jumper. No, no. Um, Jesus is Lord of everything. Lord of the workplace, Lord of our families, Lord of our communities, Lord of our nation. And that's what Christian concern is all about. Absolutely. May the Lord grant us more years. Yeah. And we give thanks to him for all of these things. And obviously we've had to kind of only talk about each of these cases very briefly. And there are so many other things that have happened this year. Um, we focused on kind of the, the victories, the kind of the places where we've had key breakthroughs. But there are obviously there are lots of things that are still going on. Case of Christy Higgs, uh, Christian uh, school worker who had lost her job after Facebook posts um, about um, contents for um uh, for relationships and education. education, these sorts of yeah. things. Um, There's a big victory in that case as well, uh, but we <laughs> don't have time to explain it. Maureen Martin lost her job relating to, uh, because of her political stance um, relating to uh, marriage. David Mackworth's case still goes on uh, with 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 all of that. Bernard Randall, the ch chaplain at a school who lost his who lost his job, uh, that case was heard. We're waiting for the judgment in that. And of course, um, the most high-profile case probably of our of our year, uh, the case of Archie Battersby and uh, his mother Holly Dance. Um, obviously, there was a sad end to that story, but it's not the end yet because um, we're still contending for those principles uh, relating to the end of life and making sure that um, that those beliefs uh, about the end of life are upheld. That we don't uh, shift the line uh, in favour of of death in certain ways. Um, so we're grateful to God also for all of those cases and and the things that have happened in those uh, that have been positive um and so many more cases behind the scenes as andrea bernard knows randall, bernard randall i mean the, the bernard randall is also very high profile and we're waiting for the judgment in that one and yeah. 
uh, Church of England minister in a Church of England school preaching a Church of England sermon loses his job. But there are many Church of England chaplains under immense pressure. Um, he actually represents one of many. So chaplaincies in school are under massive pressure. Pastoral, past, pastoral service in schools is under massive pressure. Yeah. So, um, so one of the unique things about Christian Concerns Ministry and Christian Legal Centre, which I'm so grateful for, is the way that these cases come together with the work in the media, making sure these cases are heard about, making sure that people don't forget about, <laughs> about these issues, which happens if they aren't in the media. Um, and the way those two bits come together in some of these cases, many of these cases, uh, alongside kind of campaigning on, on public policy issues, um, which Tim in particular is involved in consultations, fighting against conversion therapy, ban, it, it, efforts on abortion, it all comes together uh, in, in this really unique way. And we're really thankful to God for the way he's enabled us to do that. And he's enabled it, us to do that through people like you who are watching. Uh, your prayers, your support, the comments that you put in there, uh, they're really uh, encouraging to us um and they uh, and they really help this thing happen uh, it wouldn't be possible without you so it's it's us it's uh it's us together as a christian concerned community those those of you who are watching those of you support our work in every kind of way um us and of course god's um amazing providence to uh you know for us um i do want to say you know on the back of all of this if you're in the comments you haven't um joined up to our email list um please do make sure you do because that's uh, that's where you really hear about these things, how, how you find out how you can um, take really important actions uh, to to make Jesus known in society. You can uh, sign up at christianconcern.com slash hello, as it says below. But I also want at this Christmas time to, to point out, we do require your support financially as well, uh, wherever possible. God's been amazingly gracious uh, to us in terms of keeping... Uh, keeping us able to do this work uh, through the support of, um, of ordinary people. Um, so if you're uh, if you're listening to this and you're grateful to what, uh, God for what's been done through us and you can make a, a gift, uh, please do. You can go to christianconcern.com slash donate there and we'd really, uh, really value that um, because because we need it. We could we could tell we could do a whole session, Andrew, couldn't we, on how God's provided for us over and over again in these kinds of ways, um, just financially in terms of our organisation. Uh, but that would take another hour at least. Um, more. So <laughs> much more, yes. So, um, so we thank God for all of that, of course, as well, and thank God for you. Uh, any final things from you, Andrea or Tim, as we close up for the year on Round the Table? I'm just grateful for an amazing amount that has been achieved by God's grace through this year, really. I think, it's, I think it's incredible looking back on it. And like you said, there's so much more one could talk about. Um, but really, it's been an incredible year and uh, a year of, of really taking things forward and, and victories um, and and proclaiming and on honour to do it and honour to stand for the church and for Jesus doing this. Amen. Andrea, final words? Um, Paul and Tim, thank you. As members of the team, thank you to the whole, also to those that are back stage behind this uh, live stream. Um, I'm so grateful for the Christian Concern team, the Christian Legal Centre team. Um, what an honour to do this work. And for those of you that are listening, thank you for standing with us. Um, we love the Lord Jesus and we want to make him known. Let's walk into 2023 
contending and loving him and serving him with full hearts. God bless you all. Have the most wonderful Christmas and let's get going into the new year. Thank you. That's a brilliant way to close. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, Tim. And we'll see you all in 2023.